This episode of the Sportsman's Nation is brought to you by Outdoor Edge and their complete lineup of replaceable and fixed blade knives and game processing kits. Now, in my bag this year, I had the Razor Pro Saw Combo Kit. It comes in a very compact, handy carrying case. And one handle has the replaceable blade knife and the gutting blade. The other handle has the saw that comes with it. So I use the saw to split the pelvis and I use the gut hook to open up the cavity and the blade to start cutting all the stuff out, right? So uh, it makes cleaning a deer very simple, very easy, and the the knife is sharp. And uh, if you've ever had to gut a deer with a dull knife, we all know how much that sucks. So um, take a look at the Razor Pro Saw Combo Kit and uh, head on over to OutdoorEdge.com and enter the discount code NATION30. That's NATION30 for 30% savings on your purchase. What's up, guys? My name is Parker McDonald, and I'm your host, and you are listening to the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. I'm extremely excited today to have my buddy, Matthew Reeves from Southern Pursuit with me. Matt, what's going on, buddy? Uh, nothing much. Just trying to figure out what to do with the rest of deer season right now. Heck yeah, I know how that feels, dude. So you're you're officially tagged out for the first time in your life in Alabama. That's right, and I don't know what to do. <laughs> Have you? Let me ask you this. Have you been out since you tagged out? Have you hunted at all? I have, and it felt very wrong. Yeah. Um. So I I got down and went home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, like it's one thing to go out. Like it's fun to go out and shoot does. But I don't know if you're anything like me. Like I I work way too hard even to shoot does. So if I'm going out on on public land, like my mind just doesn't think like, hey, you could just walk in, you know, a hundred yards off the road and maybe shoot a doe. Like, that's just not how my mind works. I always have to go as far as I can, work as hard as I possibly can to feel like I earned it. And so, like, you end up doing all this work. And then you also, like, do you always set up, like, are you, I guess the right question is, are you even capable of setting up just for a doe? Because I feel like all my my setups, I always set up for a buck. Yeah, I mean, all season you set up to kill a buck. And it's kind of hard to change everything at the end. I mean, you go hunting to see a buck, you know, regardless. Um, so that's, that's my, my take on it. Uh, yeah. I always set up to try to see a buck, yeah, but most of the times you see those when you're buck hunting and when you're doe hunting, you end up seeing bucks. This is true. This is very true. And I've got a, I've got a great story to share <laughs> here in just a minute um, about that very same thing. Uh, and I think you already know it's funny. Well, let, let's let's get all let's get all the housekeeping stuff out of the way. Um, I want to tell you guys if you're listening to this, go check out ScreeGear.com. I just had a conversation with the guys over at Scree, and they have been letting me know about some sweet new stuff that's going to be coming out very very soon. I know you guys are going to be uh, really impressed by this. Just some new items, some new things that are coming out that are going to be very practical, and also some of it very geared towards the whitetail hunter now scree is based out of utah and obviously their main their target demographic is going to be western hunters um now sorry i got distracted my wife (laughs) i just heard everybody going crazy upstairs my wife is running around chasing my son and uh (laughs) she just texted me and said Hawk, who is my son, Hawk just laughed at me three times when I spanked him. <laughs> he's a he's a <laughs> he's a big old boy, and uh, I, ju- I had just told her I was like, maybe you should just start spanking him a little bit harder. He'll learn his lesson. Uh, anyway, so um, I got distracted. I just uh, like followed that squirrel. But um, like I said, Scree Gear is based out of Utah, and their tar- target demographic is going to be Western hunters. 
Um, but I have found the system that works for me for whitetails, specifically for still hunting or sitting in a tree, and uh, and it's been awesome. But some of the stuff that they're coming out with very soon is going to be geared towards whitetail hunters, and I think you guys are really going to like it. So make sure that you're following them on all their uh, their social media accounts, Scree Gear. But you can also go to ScreeGear.com, and you can use the code all lowercase, all one word, Southern Ground, and that will save you a little bit at checkout. So check out ScreeGear.com. Also check out TetheredNation.com if you are interested in saddle hunting gear. Now, Matt, you have is this year one or year two of saddle hunting for you? Um, I'm going to say it's year one. I tried it last year and hated it, and now I can't do anything but it. But saddle hunt now. It's fun, man. Like... Do you find yourself, I know it's you great. hunt, you hunt a lot of like leased land and stuff with, um, with permanent setups and things like that. Do you find yourself just, you'd rather just saddle hunt, even though you've got a ladder stand 20 yards away? Yes, I'm, I'm getting that way. Just having the tree between me and the deer, I feel very, uh, very hidden. Actually the, the hunt I went on the other day, I just went on my private and, uh, when it went with the saddle and just enjoy, I, I feel like I hunt better. I'm more alert, uh, in a saddle. Yeah, I agree. I could see that. That's something that people hadn't talked about a whole lot. Like you do stay more in a ready position whenever you're in a saddle. I know whenever I'm in a, in a specifically in like a shooting house or something like that, uh, I tend to get a little bit distracted, lean back in the office chair or whatever that's in there looking at my phone and doing all that in the saddle, you can kind of stay a little more, um, a little more ready in a ready position. And I think that's, that's a, that's an interesting thing to, uh, to say. So, um, anyways, if you are interested in learning more about saddle hunting, you can go to tetherednation.com and it is a one-stop shop for all things saddle hunting. Um, they're going to be releasing the tethered one sticks very soon. And uh, you can literally get from the ground into a tree. The only thing you need at that point really is something to shoot, which is a bow or a gun or something like that. And you'll have everything you need. You can get all that uh, with the exception of your weapon of choice. You can get all that at tetherednation.com. So, Matt, I want to uh, real quick before we get into the conversation, um, I want you to just tell me a little bit about what you're doing with southern pursuit and uh where people can find that and how all that got started yeah so uh southern pursuit is kind of the page i run off of uh where i post all my hunts and my friends hunts you know if they they get something close so i'd say i mean this started you know back when probably 10 years ago when i really got a passion for deer hunting and then started filming you know with old video camera then Within the last four years, I've really dove into it and created the page. You know, over those 10 years, this was kind of developing and uh, finally figured out what I wanted to do, kind of where I wanted to focus. Uh, So I created this when I went into college and I really just wanted to share my experiences with other people because I I found myself constantly telling stories about what I saw, what I harvested and the experiences that I had that I wanted other people to actually experience that uh but they couldn't be with me uh so then that's when i started toting the camera with me everywhere i go so yeah uh youtube is where you can find all my stuff um got some really good stuff on there that i hope y'all would like to check out and yeah that's that's basically the rundown of that and i just enjoy enjoy sharing my story you know i'm not trying to you know, make it big. I mean, that'd be great, you know, if that somehow it happened, but I just do it because one, I can share the memories with others and hopefully one day be able to share those memories with my kids and make more in the future. Absolutely. And I know that, uh, you're a lot like me and you value the time that you get to spend with your dad, which is a, uh, a big thing for me, you know, having a channel and having all that stuff is getting to have all the, all those memories that I've had with my dad since, I started filming. I have it right there where I can go back and relive that. Um, my kids and my grandkids and everybody will be able to see the time that I got to spend with my dad in the woods, which is which is super important. And uh, and I know you you do a lot of that stuff as well. 
Yes, it's a big big advantage we have instead of being able to just hear an old time story to actually sit down and watch the story unfold. It's it's pretty cool. I I know I watched uh I watched the video of I guess your second buck where it reminded me so much of me and my dad. Um and you guys should go and watch this video. Um it's a it's an 8 point that you killed you and your dad sitting in a shooting house and I think the original plan, right, was for him to shoot and you to film. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, I I was I was going to leave my gun in the truck, but there's a bad uh hog problem where we were hunting, so I went and took it for hogs and ended up me shooting the deer instead of him, but he was just as tickled uh, as I was in the end. Yeah, I I've had a lot of those experiences with my dad where it's like Hey, okay, Dad, I'm gonna be the filmer and you be the shooter, and then I I can't help myself, man. A lot of times I'm just I'm a I'm a little bit too trigger happy, and <laughs> I can mm-hmm. I can think of one time uh, we were actually hog hunting in East Texas last Christmas, and we went and set up, and I was like, okay, Dad, when these hogs come out, we were set up probably about 20 yards away, and I was set up at ground level in my saddle, and I was like, okay, if the hogs show up. I'm going to wait until they get to where me and you can both shoot and I'll be filming. And once they all kind of stop, we'll look at each other. And we I had this just like grand plan of how we were going to make this all work. And <laughs> so the hogs come out and I shot before they even stopped moving. <laughs> like I just, I got so trigger happy. <laughs> and I'm like, dad, why didn't you shoot? He's like, they were still coming. Like they were still there. They like weren't even all out yet. Um, but Didn't yeah, it's it's fun, man. And I got that whole thing on on video and uh, being able to go back and relive those moments with him. And they're just it's been so cool. And I do it regularly. I'll go and watch those videos because like I'm I, I, I'm a little bit of a disadvantage from you. Like um, my dad lives halfway across the country, so I don't get to see him just a whole lot. And uh, so it's it's always right. great to be able to to go back and, and relive that. So. So we, we kind of mentioned before, but you are officially tagged out in Alabama um, with with three solid bucks. Now, did you kill anything else in any other states this year? I killed a doe and a, another buck in Georgia. Okay. So you killed four bucks this year. Yeah. Man, I don't guess I realize you killed one in Georgia. That's pretty... Yeah, I, I killed it. I killed it early. Okay. Okay, that's awesome. I um, like sometime in October. You know what? Maybe I was thinking that that was your first your first uh Alabama deer this year, but it, either way, that's awesome, man. Like you you killed you killed deer in two states and I know last year you killed one in Florida, right? On public land in Florida? I did. Yeah. Now right. Now let's talk about that real quick so the differences in those three states like from alabama to georgia to florida what what would you say are the biggest differences between those three places the terrain um and the food sources well the food source not the food sources it's terrain because you go from the georgia mountains then to the flat woods of alabama that i hunt in central alabama and then you go to the swamps of georgia or swamps of florida um, so it's it's two big different uh, or three big different you know terrain features and whatnot. But I was pretty familiar with flatlands in Alabama from hunting you know around the Auburn area and then you know down near Demopolis. But I was able to find some stuff in Florida that reminded me of home. But it's different, that's for sure. With the once you put in sand and all those deals, it's a it's a different ball game. It is. I remember being being extremely impressed whenever you killed that deer in Florida because one of the things that I've always said here on the show and um, talking to our buddy Walter Lee who does Chasing Tales uh, podcast, mm-hmm. one of the things that I've always said is people who uh, kill deer consistently in Florida are among some of the greatest deer hunters, I believe, in the, in the country. And for you to go out there and do that – your first year of living there, and uh, and I'm not going to say you made it look easy, but if I'm remembering that hunt correct, you saw multiple bucks on that same sit. Is that right? 
That's right. Yeah, I, uh, I actually started running some cameras in there and found some feed trees and some active scrapes. And I had a really nice eight point in, in this area I was hunting, and then another area I had some really big deer uh, for Florida. And I mean, I mean, they'd be big deer for Alabama. I'd definitely shoot them. But yeah, I shot him. I'm, I wasn't waiting. Uh, I knew that other boat was running with him, but I wasn't going to wait for him. Uh, shot him. He ran 20 yards, died, and then his buddy had to come check him out, which was a another buck about his size. And I didn't know in Florida you could actually kill two bucks in one day, um, so <laughs> yeah. I didn't end up not shooting him. And he uh, he ran off, uh, but that was uh, that was a really fun, really fun hunt. So, what were the things that you were keying in on? I guess what part of Florida were you in? And in that part of Florida, so, what were the things that you were keying in on? So I was in the uh, the Panhandle around the Chattahoochee or Choctahatchee River, and um, I was really fun or really looking at food sources. Uh, water oaks was a big um, big food source there, and also with these swamps, every year they flooded, so you could really see where the water would rise up and kind of how it would funnel these deer. So earlier in the season, the water was down, and I was able to find these kind of high banks where these deer were running, and running what's a re- what's technically a ridge in Florida, you know, could be just a two to three foot increase in elevation where North Georgia or North Alabama or Central Alabama, a ridge, you know, we're we're looking, you know, for an actual terrain feature you can see on a map. But in Florida, the only way you see them is to walk in the woods. So I spent a lot of time uh, really walking out and running cameras you know really putting my time in to actually get a chance at these deer because i knew that's what it would take it was the ground was just so monotonous and everything looked the same you know within a hundred yard span and you keep going everything looked the same you just had to find that hot spot by walking and and knowing what to look for does that was it was it at all similar to some of the flatter land you said you spent some time around like demopolis and and that in Auburn, was there any similarities in the two places? Yes, and that and that's what drew me to the specific WMA that I was hunting. Uh, I had other, I mean, I was right there near Eglin Air Force Base and whatnot. I know a lot of people hunt out there, and I I scouted out there and spent some time. But when you when you went out there, you know, it was just pine trees and scrub oaks and whatnot. Nothing what I call pretty woods, you mm-hmm. know, that you enjoy hunting. You So when I found this swamp, you know, you look at the cypress swamp with cypress knees coming up everywhere and oak trees just abundant throughout the whole swamp. I said, this is where I'm going to spend my time. I feel at home here. I know, the, I know this kind of ground. And I got very lucky uh, to have somewhere like that close to where I was living. Do you think, um, I guess for me, Whenever I go to look at places to hunt out of state, um, it's almost like I want to hunt something that I'm not used to. So, like, for example, when, I, when I've when i looked at going into Kentucky, uh, Missouri, places like that, that, places that I've hunted out of state, I feel like I'm always looking for what, what I think about when I think about Kentucky. I think, you know, uh, flatter, a little bit flatter ground with a lot of ag um same thing with tennessee you know you're you're kind of looking for something something that maybe you you think about when you think about that specific state um i've spent a lot of time in kentucky hunting the flatter ground with lots of ag lots of fields um open hardwoods river bottom type stuff with uh with with not a, a ton of success however when i changed that up in Kentucky and went to somewhere that had a little bit more terrain and something that I was used to, I was successful very quickly. Um, Would you say that that is something that you are looking for on a normal basis, something that maybe in those other states that you hunt, I know you hunt a lot of states, are you looking for something that shares a little bit of a similarity with what you're used to? Yes, definitely. And another Another example uh, for that would be I I got in a club in Illinois 
Uh, I'd say probably four years ago. And when you think Illinois, just kind of like what you were saying, Kentucky, you think big ag, open hardwoods, that's where the deer are going to be. That's where I saw them get killed on Monster Bucks 10. You know, that's where <laughs> I need to be. And uh, little do people know, I mean, you can you can also plant food plots in Illinois or Kentucky. So I found myself sitting on a beautiful green field that I felt like I was in south alabama waiting for a deer to come out of the thicket you know and i mean i saw countless bucks on those fields i mean some of the biggest deer i've ever seen but this field was so big i couldn't get them in bow runs but yeah that's what i found myself in florida i knew that if i could find something that like it like back home that would be my advantage um and that and that's what i did you know you get just like you said you you went to kentucky you hunted what everybody else hunts and then you finally settled in with what you like to hunt and what you're familiar with hunt. And look what you killed a big old buck out there this year. Mm-hmm. And uh, that just, you know, that just shows your strong points and you need to use them. Don't, don't try to do what other people do, do what fits you. Yeah, that's, that's a, that's a cool thought. And, and I think it, I think people kind of forget about that. You know, when you think about like everybody always talks about here, you know, in Alabama, in some of the, like the foothills of the Appalachians, is, which is where a lot of the stuff that I'm hunting, it's like, man, that's so hard. I wish I could go hunt, you know, big ag fields and all that, all that stuff in the Midwest. And then you end up going out there, and and it's just harder for you because you're not used to it. I think, um, you, you, you like you said, you got to key in on the things that you know and things that you're good at, and. Uh, you know, from now on, whenever I go and plan an out-of-state hunt, I'm going to look for places that I know, that I understand. Even with even with turkeys, turkeys going to be the same way for me. I'm, I've tried hunting turkeys on flat ground and going out and doing that on some out-of-state trips, and I'm just not good at it. I, I tend to find more birds whenever I'm hunting mountains and... Uh, and I think that's interesting. But the thing that I was thinking about, about your season, is how different some of the places are that you were that you were hunting. So, you, like, last year you were in Florida. Uh, you hunt a lot around central Alabama and then uh, Georgia. Now, in, in, where you were at in Georgia, were you hunting more, like, hill country, mountain stuff? Uh, actually, both. I, was, I would jump between two different WMAs. One was very flat and one was very hilly just depending on where you where you went okay so with all those different places that it seemed like you were keying in on this year and last year um what are the things that you think that you would say that you hunt the best right so what what are the what's the the type of terrain that you feel like you are the most comfortable with and then how did you adjust to some of the the other places like i know one place that you hunted at this year you were hunting some big old mountains and had a really good encounter with a great buck out here on public land so what were the things that you were doing to kind of translate what you knew versus what you were trying to learn does that make sense yeah yeah i I think i can answer that so what i always focus on when i'm going to scout a place or somewhere new I want to find some kind of timber cut, some kind of timber ch- a timber type change or an edge. Um, my my job actually, I'm a forester, so I see these pretty regularly, and I I take part in timber harvest, and I see how deer use freshly cut uh, timber and whatnot. So that's where I focus, and it it provides a great food source and great bedding and great cover for any any deer, big buck, doe, whatever. Um, so. That's what I was really focusing in on on a lot of these places in Georgia that I've never been to. I'd look at my map. I'd say, okay, that's a bedding area, and then here's a food source. You know, So I was running that bed-to-feed pattern early, and it also transitioned into a great late-season uh, place to hunt because that's where they were living. That's where the does were. That's where the bucks wanted to be when the rut hit. So I was really you know, utilizing that and what – what it brought brought uh but then when you get into these mountain areas where there's no timber cut you know no uh really 
transition lines between pines and hardwoods that just scattered throughout. It was kind of, that's where I had a big question mark and I didn't know what was going on. So with the mountain terrain, you know, I ended up finding shelves and bluff gaps, bluff walls where it narrowed down the deer uh, movement. Yes, the deer numbers were smaller in the mountains, but I knew if a deer came through that trail that it was going to be a good deer. And that's what ended up happening for me. And, you know, needless to say, I actually didn't harvest the animal. I didn't get a chance to, but it was a very good hunt. I learned a lot through hunting just trails and terrain features and big open hardwood. Well, and quite so honestly, I, I you would have... I think that kind of answered. Yeah, yeah, it does. And quite honestly, you would have uh, probably killed that buck if the doe wouldn't have busted you. Um uh, yeah, or if I had, or if I had a gun. <laughs> yeah, if you had, if you had had a rifle, that would have, that would have, which it was bow only, correct? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, so you didn't have the option to have a rifle, um, but, but you definitely, I, I definitely think you, you would have killed that deer. I watched that video the other day, and it's like, man, that, that just, it hurts because it was so close, and that stupid doe had to go off and mess you up. Um, but you mentioned, yeah, no, and that, go ahead. And that's another thing with the mountains. And I was hunting bluff walls and wind direction. You don't know where the wind's going to blow. It mm-hmm. could be blowing north one minute and then it turns south the next. And that's what happened to me uh, with that, though. She just had no idea I was there and the wind just swirled. And somehow they know how to look directly up where you're at. Exactly. They're smart. Um, I was noticing that, though, in that video. I mean, you're literally set up right on the wall, like right on that bluff. And, uh, and I'm, I was just thinking about, you know, guys like Jamie McKay, who I've had on, on the podcast, he's a local guy here and, uh, had him on the podcast and he's talked a lot about these bluff gaps and things like that. Is that, is that kind of the, the same tactic, I guess, that you're using as what he kind of describes? Yeah. I, I found this spot just by happenstance where I was hunting and, it's just uh, the the only gap that I know that these deer can, you know, as use as an exit route to get away from from other hunters, basically. And uh, I've actually had a cell camera on the on the trail, basically all season. And those deer are just using it. Mo- most of my pictures are daylight, just because they're they feel safe there. Yeah, it's uh, I was listening to I re-listened to. The, the episode we did with Jamie McKay and Michael Perry um, last year, and uh, I was re-listening to that when I was putting together the uh, the Golden Nuggets of 2020 episode, which I think was about a month ago, four, three or four episodes ago. Um, so, guys, if you're, if you're listening to this, you can check those out. You can also just go out and check out that whole episode with Jamie and Michael because that was just incredible. Um, but that was one of the things that I, that I remember thinking that maybe I didn't catch the first time when he was talking about it was a lot of the, the deer that he was seeing a lot of the times that he was hunting those bluff gaps is exactly what you just, just described is whenever they were doing a gun hunt, there was a lot of pressure in there and the deer used that to get away from that pressure. So that's obvious. And another thing that he said was you cannot see a bluff gap from a map most of the time, or I, I don't know of any of them that you can, if you, if you find a bluff, it's going to look like just one solid bluff on the on the the topo lines you have to go and check it out for yourself you got to go find walk those walls and find those little small little just gaps where those deer can can just barely fit through and uh, I think that's that's an interesting tactic now looking more at the mountain terrain stuff was there anything else that maybe through this year that you learned about that type of terrain uh, yes, and I, I've already, I guess I've talked to you about it a little bit. I, with Georgia, I, this is my first year hunting it, so I was really, you know, kind of trying to figure out, get as much information as possible. And there's certain WMA, I put a couple cameras out, and I pulled one of them, but one of them I put way, way, way in the back on a saddle, uh, just on this mountain that was just a hillside with two saddles, found some buck beds in it, and figured out how they were using that and i left that camera from september 12th to january 16th 
So I have a whole season's worth of intel. So without me just having to walk or put a bunch of time in, I have all this intel and I see what all these bucks are doing, when they're coming through there, how they're using this saddle, how the does are using the saddle. And that was, I learned more just letting the camera soak there in the mountains than me actually walking the mountains, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Um, so really, so really going to be able to use that intel for next season on how to hunt these mountain deer, how to get around their impenetrable beds and how they can see you coming in and whatnot. So really uh, just walking, figuring it out, and I put a camera up, and it just let me know so much intel that I can use that moving forward. What are what are some, like, what's one of the things that you saw from that camera that was, like, just a consistent thing with the bucks running through that saddle? So they they typically they would not run up and down it. They would run sideways on it. They would never come in facing. So my camera would, so if you imagine the saddle running north and south, they'd always come either east or west. They'd come into the frame of the camera from the east or to the west. They never directly walked straight down the saddle. And I, and as an outdoorsman, I see that with turkey hunt, turkey hunting, deer hunting. You know, a deer is typically not going to walk right on the top of a ridge or right in the bottom of a the bottom. They're going to sidewind it, typically. And same with turkeys. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of what I'm seeing with them. You know, they're not coming. They eventually get to the top, but they don't just walk the top the whole way. They have to, you know, come from a different route to kind of sneak up on it is what I, I kind of say. Which, the the saddle, that, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, the buck that I killed in Kentucky was doing that exact same thing. It's like they're using that saddle to get from one side to the other um, a lot of times to, you know, basically just scent check the top of that for does going across it. And uh, that's what the buck was doing in Kentucky. He was basically doing the same thing. He kind of side – he was side hill on one side, used that saddle to continue the same direction but on the other side of the ridge. And he was scent checking that top. Um, like you said, they eventually get to the top, but they're not there for very long. They're just, they're just using that to get to the other side. Cause that's the path, the path of least resistance. And, uh, and so that's, that's an interesting thing. Now, how, how do you think judging by what your cameras were saying, as far as that saddle, did that saddle have anything to do with their bedding? Yeah. So you had to walk past another saddle before you got to my camera. So in the summer when I walked up there, there were like five or six different beds on the saddle adjacent to where I put my camera. Now you can see them, you know, from each other because they're literally just a drop off between them and they're just walking kind of the the side of the mountain to go from each of them. So yeah, I think those, those deer, they're bedding on the saddle before in front of the one where my camera was. So they knew that the access, the only access was from down below so they could see you um, coming up and they could just exit back out into the uh, mountain holes back behind them. Hmm, that's interesting. Now, uh, whenever you're talking about mountain laurels, were they using that pretty heavy in the in the mountain terrain for their bedding? Well, I didn't discover the mountain laurels until I got in there to pull my camera because uh, when I went in there, it was all, you know, still leafed out, um, very green. And I never I never walked back over there to, to see it because I was already out of breath once I got to that, <laughs> that point. And I hung my camera and went back. So funny thing is, when I went and checked my camera, like four or five deer jumped up out of those mountain laurels and just hauled butt back down into the bottom up to the next ridge and went on. So that just you know confirmed that hey there are mountain laurels over there and those deer are bedding in it so you know they could be that point where my camera was is basically between two bedding areas and they were just using that as a community uh area okay that's interesting so i think it's i think it's really cool to just talk about these differences in the in the areas and it really does make you a uh, a more well-rounded outdoorsman to be able to go into these areas and try to figure them out. Now we already talked about 
trying to key in on things that you are comfortable with. But there's also, there is something to be said about kind of, uh, you know, having some more tools in your tool belt, I guess. And, and being able to go to a place that maybe you're not typically hunting in your home area and still be able to find deer. So I think it's really cool to challenge yourself in that way, kind of the same way you did. And it seems like it, like it worked pretty well. Now this season, was there any other, um, any other places that you hunted in, in just the different types of terrain and vegetation? Was there any other new things that you, that you or new type of areas that you hunted this year? Uh, no, I, well, I hunted some agriculture this year for the first time. I actually killed the first doe I killed in Georgia. I killed her in a cornfield. Um, I've only done that in Illinois, but it's a little different up there than it is down here because down here it's a lot more pressured, um, I believe. But that, I mean, that's really the only thing. And I mean, the, as far as the mountain deer, I kind of that was one of my goals this year. I really wanted to kill a deer in the mountains and and have that you know to add to what i could do and i kind of had it as a chip on my shoulder but i wasn't able to do it um got close and i think i think next year i'll be able to do it uh, after learning what i did this year um so looking forward to that that's awesome man and so most of your deer this year were kind of in the in the more flat flat type stuff yeah is that right yeah so what are the things that you are, um, that you are, I guess, what are the, what, just give me like maybe two things this year that were the most beneficial to adding to your tool belt? So, uh, number one would be hunting, uh, weather changes, like a big, you know, a big change in the weather. That was a big focus of mine and also pressure, um, not going into an area until it's right. Um, that was my my biggest thing i've had many years where i say get a deer on camera whatnot and i was like i got to be in there every second um but this year i'd go in and say i'm sitting there and the wind turns wrong and i've said i'm i'm getting out um just know just knowing when to be in an area that was a big deal for me uh you know and and like and also scouting you know and me and you've had multiple conversations where i said hey i'm gonna go in and hunt and I get there and I don't find the sign. I said, well, I guess I'm just going to scout, you know, and yeah. you just scout your way in. And that's when you find some of your best, best spots. It's absolutely when you find your best spots. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I decided to start doing that several years ago. I guess, I guess, no, it was last year um, where I'm just like, I've, I've wasted a lot of hunts, a lot of days going in and saying, I got to get set up before daylight, you know, even though I don't, maybe I'm going into a spot blind. Most of the time I am going into a spot blind. I've got to get set up before daylight and I end up setting up. And then once the sun comes up and you start seeing deer and they're moving, you know, out of range, you can see them, but they're moving out of range and you can very easily figure out why they're moving there. Oh, well crap. There's a really hard transition line that I didn't realize was there or, there's a terrain feature. There's a, a low spot right there that I didn't even know was there. You can't see it on the map. Well, if I would have just waited and not been so concentrated on getting set up before daylight, obviously, if you know where you're going and you know the spot, you know where the deer are at, it's best to be set up before daylight. But if it comes between, if it, if it, if it comes down to setting up before daylight or setting up in the right spot, you got to set up in the right spot. Like, I think that's one of the most valuable things. And then what you just said um, right before that of knowing when to go in to the spot, man, that is like huge. Um, Part of the reason why I I feel like I I did tag out relatively quick this year, uh, I was having a conversation with somebody. I can't remember. It may have been you, but I can't remember who it was. Um, And they were like, man, you spent a lot of time in the woods this year. And I'm like, actually, I really didn't. It's just every time that I went into the woods, I felt like I killed a deer because I was going in mm-hmm. like I would I would kill a deer. So so the first buck I killed this year was on the private piece with my buddy. Uh, first time going in there uh, and just basically scout hunted it, scout hunted it like I would public land. I shot that deer and I didn't hunt for like a week and a half. And then I went in 
the the weather got right, the wind direction was perfect um, for another spot and went in and killed another buck. I killed my second buck and I had only hunted like maybe one or two times in between those, in between those, those two hunts. And then the next week, a week later, I went to Kentucky and killed that buck in Kentucky. Uh, then, and then I didn't hunt maybe a couple times. And then my second hunt with a rifle, I shot my third buck and tagged out. And it's just like all of the, I didn't, the spot that I shot my third buck, the tag out buck, I knew I was going to hunt that place. And I knew through scouting and just what I knew about the area, I knew that that was going to be, I needed to wait until the time was absolutely right because I could potentially kill a really good deer in there. And uh, I waited and did that same thing. So, I, I mean, I was, talk- I was it was my dad. My dad was who I was talking to about this. And he was like, he told me, he was like, yeah, I mean, he's like, I probably hunted more than you did this year. And it's true. He, he definitely spent more time in the woods than I did. But it just like, it came in, it came very quickly. And, I, and I'll tell you, one of the people that I've been paying a lot of attention to these past couple of years is Andy May and really diving into the things that he's talked about, because this is like, he specializes in this junk, like going in and killing bucks fast, like going into a new place or, (laughs) yeah, he does it a lot. too. He does it a lot, man. And he, I mean, Andy is a teacher. I, I believe he's a special education teacher. So teachers don't get a whole lot of time off during deer season. And he goes in on, you know, short three-day trips and kills bucks, kills good bucks. And so I've been really paying attention to the stuff that he's talked about. He did an episode with Walter uh, on Chasing Tales that was excellent. One of the best interviews of Andy May that I have heard yet was with Walter and Chase on, on Chasing Tales. And uh, and then he's obviously done a lot with um, – uh, Wired to Hunt, he's talked with with Mark a lot on Wired to Hunt, and then I believe he did one with the Hunting Public. He's done several of them, several episodes, and I've really been paying a lot of attention to the things that he's talked about, and I think that that's one of the things. No one wins the right time to go in. Now, that being said, and I think you would agree with this, even if the time is not right to go into a specific spot where you have a lot of confidence in, if you have the opportunity to go and hunt, are you still going to go and do it? Yes. And, and that, and that, well, yes and no. Um, it depends on how much time you have to hunt area. You know, say you're going out of state and you have a real, a place you really want to go to that you, that you know, there's deer in there, but you only have a three day window and that three day window, your wind is never right or the conditions are never right. Well, when else are you going to go in there that season? It, or is that your only chance? Is it going to hurt? Is it going to hurt future chances? Probably not because you're not going to get to hunt it that much. So you go in and you hunt it and you just count your losses if if you get blown at or whatnot because you never know what a deer is going to do. Yeah. You know, some days you go and they never smell you, and some days you go and they they pinpoint you when your wind's right. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's my biggest thing. Like on, for example, say you have a WMA gun hunt as well. Well, you don't get many of those. You might as well go into your spot and just just chance it. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. That, that's my thought. Now, some you know some some people you know think different on it, but I think in that in that scenario, you know, it, I don't think it would hurt. Well, and for me, my answer to that would be absolutely. I'm going to go and hunt, but maybe that's the opportunity that I have to go and hunt a spot that maybe I found during turkey season or I found while I was scouting, um, just a spot that maybe I don't have a lot of intel about, but I have a chance right here. My wind's not right, weather's not right to go into one of the spots that I know is going to hold deer. So I can go into a spot that maybe I don't know, you know, and, and still have right. a beneficial hunt, you know. Because if I, if I go in there... Yeah, you keep, keep getting intel. Exactly. If I go in there and I don't see any sign and nothing looks good, well, then I can kind of cross that off of the off of the list of places that I need to spend time at. And maybe I go in there and I have one of the best hunts of my life and kill a great buck. You know, you just never know. And um, that kind of leads me, I, I want to share a story, if that's okay, Matt. Uh, you already know the story yeah, of, uh, of what happened to me a couple days ago. Um, like we, like we talked about, you know, I'm, me and you are both tagged out, like, 
there's not a lot of hunting that I can do right now. Um, my main area is closed for antlerless, and uh, m- most of the state is not, so you can go and shoot a doe. And most of the state, on most of the public land even, you can hunt antlerless all season long with a, with a bow, and you can kill a doe every day with a bow. And um, my, for whatever reason, my specific area that I hunt, you cannot anymore. It closed. And uh, so I've had to, if I want to go and hunt for does, I've had to go into new spots. And it's actually been a, uh, a blessing more than anything because I have, it's, it's forced me to go out to new places that I have not spent a lot of time at. So I decided last week, one day, I didn't have a whole lot of stuff that I had to do and um, also, I, I don't guess I've mentioned this. I, I got the, I got the coronavirus right now, actually. I'm still on quarantine at my house. Um, luckily my symptoms aren't too bad. <laughs> um, but, uh, I've been, you know, I've had the opportunity to hunt. What better way to go isolate than go into the deer woods? There ain't nobody else out there. And, uh, so I decided, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go try this new spot, this new place. Never step foot on this place at all. Um, I've been to this, to the, the area, but not this specific part of it. And, uh, didn't really even look at my map much. It was one of those things where I was like, you know what? Like, I'm just going to go. I'm, there's going to be deer somewhere. So I'm just going to go and I'm going to walk until I find one, until I find some sign. So I walked, found some good signs set up, ended up having a, uh, a great hunt. I saw, Long story short, I shot a raccoon, and I shouldn't have shot it. All heck broke loose, and a bunch of deer started running around like crazy, and uh, and that was a hunt. But I found deer, and I figured out how they were using it. So I went, what day was that, Matt? Today is Sunday. It would have been Friday, I guess. Friday, Friday, yeah. Thursday or Friday. Yeah, it was Friday. I went Friday, and I was like, okay, I know what these deer were doing. That was an evening. I'm hunting a morning. So they were up in here somewhere bedded down all day and I'm going to go into where I think that they were bedded down and it was a, it's all flat land out here. So I'm used to hunting mountain terrain stuff. This is flat swampy ag land. So there's cut soybean fields and lots of swamps just full of water and um, like the, the big kind of swamps that you just see water and you don't really necessarily know where it ends. Um, and then there's little tiny waterways that kind of come off of the main swamp. Well, what I had found was there was a, some type of like dike or like a a crossing. It was a high ground that cut all the way through the swamp and those deer, all the sign was based around that, that little spot. And those deer were running the, they were walking the edges of it and using that to cross over from one field to the next or one block of woods to the next. And so I went on this same spot and on this same little creek that came off of the swamp a little bit further down it to where I thought the deer were bedded at. And, uh, dude, me and you were texting back and forth that morning talking about <laughs> uh, an upcoming trip where me and you are both going to go do a bonus buck hunt that they're doing on a WMA here in Alabama in February. And we were talking about it. And I had seen, I guess, one, two, three, four, four or five deer, a couple, a couple small bucks that morning, which is great. I mean, to go into a new public land area in Alabama, especially, you know, in the South and that's to, really good. to see that many deer, is, that's a great, that's a great hunt. I'm sitting there and you had just texted me. You said, uh, have you ever hunted this, the WMA that me and you were going to go to? You said, have you ever hunted there? And I was in the middle of texting you and I look up. And I see a deer, so I quickly grab my bow. I don't. I'm not really paying attention to what it is. I'm just paying. I just know that I see a deer in the wood, like in the. Uh, I guess it's like some type of like uh, river cane or something like that. Grab my bow, get my camera over there, and I look, and it is a stud of a buck. I mean, like, I'm not gonna say he was like a giant. But he was a stud of a buck. He was a really, really nice deer. And so I have my bow in my hand. 
and uh, I'm looking at him, and I'm like, man, this is this is just crazy. And it feels so wrong, Matt, to not draw back on a great buck when you've got him at 20 yards. It, it, there's nothing in the world that feels more wrong than that. It was like all and, over me, man. It was, and that goes back on what, what – that's what you said earlier. When you go to shoot a doe, all you're going to see is, is bucks. Exactly. Seems like the case for you. It is. It definitely is. It happened on Oak Mountain this year. I went out to Oak Mountain with a buddy just to try to shoot a doe, and all I dang saw was bucks. And uh, and sure enough, this time, like I was not like this. Uh, I'll tell you this specific area, this piece of property, is known by a lot of people in the state to be a really tough place to hunt. Like. There's a lot of hunting pressure. It's, you know, there's there's a large population of people around the area. It's just not the kind of place that you go to and you're like, man, I'm going to see a big buck today. Uh, but they are there. I mean, people, people see them and kill them uh, fairly regularly, but... It's just not. It's not the. It's not a destination place. I wouldn't. I wouldn't consider it to be. And um, <laughs> this buck is just has no idea that I'm there. It's there at twenty yards, and then he makes a turn and starts walking the water line right under my tree, like six steps from me. Mm. And I'm like, I'm just trying to film him, and he he gets back behind me, and my camera gets stuck on the between me and the bridge of my saddle and uh, it makes a noise and he looks up and blows and runs off and then that thing just he just milled around there walked around for like five minutes just at like probably 40 yards or so um but it was i think i texted a lot of people i was like Doing the right thing never felt so wrong. <laughs> it just felt it <laughs> yeah. felt like the way that I felt at that time should have been illegal. Like, like that's not how you hunt deer. Um, and uh, it was it was crazy, man. Just a really really cool encounter. And um, to the point that we were making this scenario, what I've had and having to deal with as far as not being able to hunt my home area and venture out into new places has been one of the greatest things that I have learned all season because now last year I wasn't tagged out at this time and I spent all of my time in my home range trying to find these deer that seemed to have crawled into a hole and I wasn't venturing out into new places now I have this intel of that doesn't mean that I can I'm that this one specific spot is going to be so great all the time. But I have intel of how to hunt this area because I just kind of happened on it. Like I just found all this sign and put it all together really quickly and ended up seeing three bucks that day. And I, I saw like 10 deer all together. And, um, and one that would have been probably one of my bigger deer of the season. Um, if I, if I would have had a tag in my pocket, but, um, it's just, I would encourage a lot of guys if they find themselves in a situation where maybe everything doesn't line up to go to a spot that they really know that they should go to, to challenge themselves, to go into a new area on maybe just that day, you know, maybe you have a burner day where you can't go into one of your normal spots and, and you can go somewhere new to go, still go. Go and try to hunt and see what you might find. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, that will that makes your, what I call my hunting arsenal. I mean, I've if you look at my hunting app or whatnot, you'd probably think I have a problem with how many pins I have dropped. And, you know, I may <laughs> not have been to every single one of the, I may not have been to every single one of those pins, but it just lets me have an idea that, hey, I have multiple options. I don't have to just go to this specific WMA I mean, yeah, you may have to drive a little, but it's not always, I mean, it's always fun to go in the woods, but sometimes it gets old looking at the same trees, the same creek. You want to see something new. You want to learn something new and go somewhere different. It's That's that's another great thing I love to do and look forward to hunting this new WMA with you because it's something different. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited about it. And we can go in a different time of the season like we've always talked about. Um 
on the show, and, and I think me and you have talked about it too, Alabama is such a unique state when it comes to the rut. So these deer that I was hunting this weekend, they were still in rut. Like all these bucks were cruising. Um, one of the bucks that I saw ended up running up to a bunch of does that were way out of range. Once he saw them, he was at, he was after them. And, and that's what these deer were all doing. And the thing that makes Alabama so unique is that you can actually hunt the rut I mean, all season long, just about. And uh, and mm-hmm. you can find these new places that maybe haven't been, you know, somewhere that you've been interested in going. But one thing I can tell you is the rut, there's no telling what's going to happen. You know what I mean? Like, if you if I have the choice to go and hunt an area that, well, well let's say my home, my home range, where I, where I go a lot, and... The late season sucks out there. It's just so bad. The deer, it, like I said, it's like they just disappear, and you, you cannot find them at all once the rut's over. The first rut, there's not even, I wouldn't even say there is a secondary rut that you even see out there. I'm sure some people have, but I never have. And um, so I, I could go there where I know where the deer are usually at, but they seem to kind of disappear, or I could go to a new place and get to hunt the rut and maybe happen into a good spot like I did and be able to, if I had another tag, be able to fill my last tag. It just is a really cool thing about Alabama, and it gives you the opportunity to go and challenge yourself. Where me and you are going to go on this bonus, I guess, I mean, what do you think, Matt? I, I guess the state of Alabama is pretty open about where the bonus buck hunts are at, so it's not a big deal if we tell people. Yeah, I mean, they, they – <laughs> There's going to be a pile of people there anyways. Yeah, so we're hunting we're hunting Barber WMA, and uh, and there's a couple different bonus buck hunts that day, but it's still it's still supposed to be rut there on February, when whenever whenever we're going, it's still supposed to be the rut there. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we have the opportunity to go get on rutting deer in February, and you have a bonus buck tag which is going to be pretty awesome but it gives us the chance to go and see i mean me and you neither one have ever been there we may get there and be like crap we're coming back here every single year because it could be so awesome you know like just challenging yourself well we could say we're we're never coming back again you know exactly either one but that's that's what that's what's fun about it and i'm i'm stoked i think it's going to be cool man well, dude, we're we're running up on an hour, and uh, I've I've really enjoyed this conversation. I think the the theme that I'm kind of drawing, I guess, as a conclusion of this conversation is really challenging yourself to go and do like what you've done, and add more things to your arsenal. You you called it your hunting arsenal. Add more, you know, different terrain features. And giving yourself, putting yourself, setting yourself up, I guess, for the opportunity to learn more about different places. And, uh, and man, it seemed like for you that it's, it's worked incredibly well. That's, that's what I, what I feel and what I've taken from this. And it's been, it's been a pleasure being on here, Parker. I, I really appreciate it. And your knowledge of deer hunting is wonderful. Well, I appreciate it. I feel like I get lucky more than anything, but uh, but dude, hey, that... I'd rather I'd be I'd rather be lucky than good. Yep, absolutely. Well, dude, like we said, I'm I'm jacked up about getting to hang out here in a couple of weeks and try to go kill another buck. I think it's gonna be a blast. Uh, hopefully, we'll get two. That'd be sweet. All right, before before you go, one more time, tell everybody where they can find some of your content at. You can find me on YouTube, uh, Southern Pursuit. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook. And then I've been piddling around with a little app called TikTok. Um, <laughs> apparently, that's the, that's the new thing. Uh, don't judge me there, but uh, just trying to grow. So, yeah, it, all those, just look up Southern Pursuit, and you should find me. Fantastic, man. Guys, go and check out Matt and, and uh, all his stuff. He's I have told I have told Matt I guess probably almost every time we talk um, there is no way that 
he should not have like 20,000 subscribers on YouTube. He's putting out tons of content. <laughs> yeah. Lots of good videos. Um, and great videos at this, at that. Like not just a lot of videos, but really good ones. Um, the thing I appreciate about, appreciate about you, Matt, is that you are genuine. And uh, you're not trying to act some way just because you got a camera on you. And you can tell that by your videos. And on top of that, you kill a lot of stuff. And you do a great job with the camera. So, um, guys, go and check out Southern Pursuit. I do not think that you will regret it. Because uh, I know I've sure enjoyed watching it. So, Matt, dude, again, thanks for coming on. And uh, I'm jacked about getting to try to go kill some more deer with you here really shortly. I look forward to it.